Is the Union Pacific a potential opportunity? We'll perform a UNP stock analysis like Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time. He's the owner of BNSF Railroad, which is Union Pacific's major competitor. We'll reverse engineer his decision-making process to look at the most telling numbers before estimating not one but two fair intrinsic values for Union Pacific. Along the way, there's going to be a key bonus metric that just might be the tipping point when analyzing UNP for your stock portfolio. Then, you're going to want to watch till the end when we give our rating. So, is Union Pacific a potential opportunity? Right now, Union Pacific stock trades for $205.92 per share. Year-to-date, their stock price is down just 1%, which is underperforming the market. The S&P 500 is up 12.5%. In the last five years, things are more neck-and-neck, but UNP underperforms the market. They compound at 7% annually over this time. When we go back a decade, UNP starts to beat the market. They're compounding at 10% annually. All the way back before the global financial crisis, in the last 18 and a half years, UNP has crushed the market. Union Pacific is compounding at 15% annually. Their stock price is up more than 11 times in this period. That's not all for shareholders. Right now, Union Pacific pays an above average 2.46% dividend yield. Their average dividend yield is added down to these gains in their stock. Plus, they've returned money to shareholders in some surprising ways, which we'll cover later in the video. Right now, Union Pacific trades $20 above its 52-week low. They're down $35 from their 52-week high. Not much short interest with just 1% of their shares sold short. How big is the Union Pacific? They're a huge company. They have a $129 billion market cap. But the burning question is, why should we be paying close attention to Union Pacific? Omaha, Nebraska-based Union Pacific is the largest public railroad in North America, operating on more than 30,000 miles of track in the western two-thirds of the United States. UP generated $25 billion of revenue in 2022 by hauling coal, industrial products, intermodal containers, agricultural goods, chemicals, and automotive goods. UP owns about one-fourth of Mexican railroad Ferromax and derives roughly 10% of its revenue hauling freight to and from Mexico. It's one of just six Class 1 railroads operating in the United States and Canada. Now with that background, let's dive deep into their numbers. Starting with metric number one, we want their average return on capital in the last five years to be above 14%. A normal business earns 7% returns on capital. By looking for a benchmark that's double this, we can build in margin of safety based on the quality of the business. Union Pacific earns very stable, very steady returns on capital in the mid-teens. There's not much change in their returns year to year. When we average these out, UP earns 15.3% average returns on capital in a normal year. That's double the average business. This is exactly what we want to see. It's a check on metric number one. Metric number two, we want growth to support their high returns. We're looking for growth in their revenues, earnings, and free cash flow. These all need to be up for this to be a check. It's all or nothing. In this time, Union Pacific has grown their revenues by 8% up until today. Their earnings are up 13%, and their free cash flows are up just 4%. This is small growth for the business, yet it is growth. They've been very steady throughout this time, even with the major issues faced in the world in 2020. Union Pacific has grown. It's a check on metric number two. Metric number three will look at Union Pacific like a shareholder in the business. We want earnings per share growth. Union Pacific's grown their earnings by 13%. And here we get to see a major benefit for shareholders in the business. 
In the last five years alone, Union Pacific has bought back 19% of their shares. This increases the ownership for existing shareholders without them having to spend a dime. Union Pacific's returned a lot of money to their shareholders, both through their dividends and their buybacks. These share buybacks skyrocket their earnings growth, meaning they've grown their earnings per share by a lot. This is another big check on metric number three. Metric number four, we're looking for free cash flow per share growth. This is something similar. Union Pacific's free cash flows are up just slightly. Coupled with their share buybacks, they've actually grown their free cash flows per share by 28%. That's the power of these buybacks. In their last 12 months, they earned $8.92 per share in cash. It's another check on metric number four, and Union Pacific is perfect so far. Before we look at the company's balance sheet and estimate their fair value, why don't we check in on our bonus? Union Pacific pays a 2.46% dividend yield that's grown in the last five years, but is their dividend safe? And can this grow in the future? That's what we're trying to figure out as our bonus. We want their dividends to be supported by their free cash flows. That is the case in all five of these years. Union Pacific has both grown their free cash flows per share and grown their dividends per share. They easily support their dividends and this dividend growth. It's what we want to see. This is a check on our bonus. In recessions, it's businesses with too much debt that can have the biggest losses or even go broke. Metric number five, we want their net debt to be below the sum of their free cash flows in their last five years. Union Pacific has added on to their net debt in this time. They had $21 billion in 2018. This increased to $34 billion today. In the last five years, Union Pacific has only produced $27.9 billion of free cash flow that's coming in below their net debt position. It's not what we want to see here as the company's taken on debt over this time. This is our first X of the day on metric number five. It may or may not be a problem for Union Pacific. They have a lot of fixed assets in their business with a ton of plant property and equipment. Railroads are a very capital intensive business, which is part of the reason they may be able to increase their debt loads like this. Still, when companies have less debt, it's harder for them to go broke and suffer huge losses. Union Pacific also has a very stable and steady, reliable business. As a railroad, it's the type of asset that Warren Buffett has said will likely be very important even 100 years into the future. It's unlikely that a slightly higher debt load is going to have a huge impact on the company. Still, you can dig into their shareholder reports and their filings to learn more. The big metric of them all, metric number six, we want Union Pacific's average five-year free cash flow divided by their enterprise value to give us a yield that's above 5%. This is the first of two ways we'll use their free cash flows to estimate their fair intrinsic value. Enterprise value looks at Union Pacific similar to it being a private company. Right now, they have a $163 billion enterprise value. In the last five years, we learned they earned $27.9 billion of free cash flow. This means in an average year, they earn $5.6 billion over this time. When we divide that by their enterprise value, we get just below a 3.5% average free cash flow to enterprise value yield. Currently, Union Pacific produced $5.5 billion of free cash flow in their last 12 months. When we divide that by their enterprise value, we get a 3.4% current free cash flow to enterprise value yield. These both come in below the yield of the 10-year treasury. This means they're below the risk premium we want at 5% as well. Coming in on metric number six, it's an X for Union Pacific. Don't just throw the business out. You'll want to watch as we estimate their fair value per share before you stay for their rating. Everything we've covered is important, but there's something missing that, in my opinion, is the main reason to analyze Union Pacific. This brings us to using a discounted cash flow model to estimate their fair value per share. A DCF model is based on the predictability of a company's cash flows. Like any model in any field, its outputs are sensitive to its inputs. 
Free cash flows can be lumpy year to year. We'll start with an average of UNP's cash flows in their last three years. Then we'll use historical numbers to grow these into the future. It's up to you to figure out if these will be accurate or not for UNP. They've been very predictable in their past. That's not a guarantee for the future. Assuming they grow their free cash flows at 11.5% annually in the next decade, then in the following decade, let's assume this is cut in half and these grow at 5.8% annually. We'll add in their tangible book value to give an estimate of their net worth. Keep in mind, the accounting for the business, especially for their share buybacks, likely means their tangible book value is understated here. It could be more than this, which adds to their fair value. If we want a market-beating rate of return of 15% like Warren Buffett, from today's valuations, an estimate of Union Pacific's fair value per share is around $139. That's down $60 from today's stock price. It's about $40 below their 52-week lows. Keep some key points in mind. This discount rate is an estimate of total returns to shareholders based on their cash flows. It includes both their dividend yield and any gains in their stock. Union Pacific trades for a price-to-owner earnings ratio that's about in line with where it's been at in the last decade. In this time, they barely beat the market. This has ranged, though. If you would have bought this business at around 13 times owner earnings, it's likely you would have beat the market by quite a lot. Most importantly, this analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. Consult with your financial advisor before you consider any investment decision. Warren Buffett cares about a company's numbers, but the qualitative factors are really where he focuses. Let's address these for Union Pacific. We'll start with the long thesis. Number one, network service levels have gradually improved off a lackluster performance in 2021 and much of 2022, thanks to progress hiring train and engine personnel. Number two, precision scheduled railroading efforts yielded impressive improvement in UP's operating ratio, which is their expenses divided by their revenue. This took place between 2019 and 2021. Despite service setbacks in 2022, it's expected UP will continue to refine its precision scheduled railroading playbook in the years ahead. Number three, compared with trucking, shipping by rail is less expensive for long distances, and it's four times more fuel efficient per ton mile. These factors should help support longer-term incremental intermodal growth. But it wouldn't be fair if we didn't cover the negatives of the company as well. Let's look at a short thesis. Number one, muted volume growth and significant wage inflation from the new labor contract will make operating ratio improvement more challenging in 2023 despite recovering network fluidity. Number two, terminal congestion has gone down, but normalizing rates in the competing truckload sector and retail sector destocking can temper intermodal demand in 2023. Number three, the Surface Transportation Board oversees railroads pricing, so there will always be underlying risk of re-regulation in terms of a policy shift to a more heavy-handed approach. Now let's combine those qualitative factors with our numbers as we give UNP a rating. So far, we've learned Union Pacific stock ticker UNP has many of the signs of being a wonderful business. They earn stable, above-average returns on capital in the mid-teens. They've grown just very slightly, but they've used their cash flows to buy back a ton of the business, repurchasing 20% in the last five years alone, while their stock price has still lagged the market over this time. The company did add on quite a bit of debt to fuel their share repurchases. This may not be as much of an issue for UNP. Because of its fixed assets, the importance of their business as an infrastructure company, and that a lot of this debt could be at lower rates, read through their filings to learn more. Even with this higher debt load, UNP still supports a growing dividend. They seem to be a solid dividend growth stock. 
Right now, the company's cash flow yields don't look attractive compared to the yield from the 10-year treasury. When we performed our discounted cash flow valuation, using those assumptions at today's valuations, if you want a market-beating rate of return of 15% like Warren Buffett, it looks like an estimate for Union Pacific's fair value per share is around $140. While that's down from today's stock price, Union Pacific did trade there in the spring of 2020 market crash. Be patient waiting for the right price. When we look at the qualities of the business and their numbers together, Union Pacific looks like a great candidate for more research. If you enjoyed this UNP stock analysis, like it, subscribe to the channel for more, and check out this next video.